If you're a regular listener, you were here last Thursday and you were listening in while my next guest joined me, and it was a really interesting discussion. We got talking about all kinds of stuff around preparedness of high school students for university. It's a big topic because down in the States, a new study has come out that says something like 38% of students actually can fulfill university math and English requirements. It's a, it's a daunting, disturbing frustrating number, but that's the way it is. And and probably not that far off what it is in Canada. We might be a little bit better, but anyway, that's what we were talking about. And as we got to the end of the discussion, I could, I was looking at the clock here in the studio and could see that we were just right out of time, but I was dying to ask one more question that I just knew was going to set us off into a whole new area of discussion. So I bit my lip, but asked my guest if he would come back today to talk about that one other bit, because it seems to be a really relevant part of the discussion. If we have come to the point where we are saying, you know, not all of our high school students are prepared for university. If there is a certain percentage who show up, if not illiterate, certainly not literate to the point we would like them to be. And if because of this, we have to fudge the numbers, the grades in high school, because high schools don't want to have most of their kids not getting accepted to university. So we inflate the grade point averages, the grade averages to get them in, but then they get to university and junior professors are now faced with kids not ready and they don't want to look bad. So they have to dumb down their courses. It's a bit of a problem, maybe more than a bit. So anyway, as I bring in Dr. Anton Alahar, who's a sociology professor at Western University, the co-author of Ivory Tower Blues, a university system in crisis, and its companion book, Lowering Higher Education, The Rise of Corporate Universities and the Fall of Liberal Education. Doctor, thanks for coming back tonight. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Let's, let's continue with where we were, and let me ask you the million-dollar, or probably it's a lot more than a million-dollar question then. When we hear all this stuff about students and school and preparedness and all the rest, should every student coming out of high school go to university? Well, you you will permit me uh, a little bit of an introduction to this. All the time you like. One of the, the central contradictions in our society, and I will get to your question presently, is a, a radical difference between what we profess politically and what we profess economically. Politically, we are very, very vigilant about equality. And our idea of equality is one person, one vote. You can be the richest woman in the world, I could be the poorest man. We both have one vote each, and that makes us equal. We economically celebrate inequality. We don't lose sleep over people on the reserves or the homeless. We argue that Poverty is a great motivator. So what makes our society an an unusual one is where we celebrate inequality and we are in the economic realm and we are very, very insistent on equality in the political realm. We have an idea that with poverty, with inequality, education in our society is a means to mobility. Education is free or heavily subsidized. So if you are not mobile, it is your fault you are to blame. We have an idea that the more people who are educated, the better our democracy is, and we can sum our noses at others. And part of this is that the more BAs we have, the better we are than those who have fewer BAs. Now, when Ivory Tower Blues came out, 
I was doing a radio show in Toronto, uh, uh, one of those phone-in shows, and there was a university uh, president who called in. He was from out west, and he was adamant, and he accused me of being an elitist. And I asked him, why did he think I was an elitist? He said, because you think that not everybody should go to university. And I said to him, well, I thank you for clarifying that. And if that's what my elitism consists of, I agree. I do not think everybody should go to university. I know so many great Canadians who have never been to university, who don't want to be there, who don't have what it takes to do university things, and yet still they are good Canadians, hardworking, law-abiding, tax-paying Canadians. And then I turned it around and said to that president, you are the one who is the elitist, sir, because you think that unless you have a university education, you're a nobody. At that point, the switchboard lit up with all kinds of truck drivers <laughs> and other people calling in to give me kudos. You see, we have this idea that the more BAs we get, regardless of how we get them, we are going to be a better society than the others. And if we promise Canadians a BA in every house, as an old French king promised every French person a chicken in every pot, um, what we're doing is that we're going to try and live up to that even if, as you said, it means dumbing down the BA to the BA light and then to a kind of a piece of paper that really is worth nothing. In the interim, the good students, the outstanding students, are bored, they're turned off, they're lost. They don't even worry to go to the university programs anymore. Yet still, we continue to boast how many BAs and MAs and so we have. This is part of the, the dual process or the problem that we identified in Ivory Tower Blues, the problem of education inflation that has two aspects, credential inflation on the one hand and grade inflation on the other. When I left high school or when I was in high school, all of my teachers had high school diplomas. That's it. Today you need a BA, a B.Ed., sometimes an M.Ed., some WMIS and life-saving and all of those things that you need there. I, I saw before they closed, Blockbuster was looking for a manager, and they wanted a master's degree. <laughs> um, that is the credential inflation. The great right, right. we talked about last week and the dumbing down that comes with it, it has become a political thing. And when you spoke with me last week, I was just grading my first-year exams. I'm finished now, and there are so many of them that it, it makes me sad. Scott, it does make me sad. The, the what you're touching on though is it's a very common mantra. It's become almost a a, a preaching point for politicians because they get into power and they say, "I'm here for the middle class and I want everybody in the low class and I want everybody to go to university because this will improve their life." And I guess what you're saying, if I understand correctly, is we want to create a situation where everybody who could go should be able to go. But that doesn't mean just because you're able financially to go that you should go for your education. No, you, you're correct. And you see, there are two things there. One is this, <clears throat> this word middle class that is tossed around. That means nothing. It means nothing. And the overwhelming majority of those who claim to be middle class are indeed not. If you ask any Canadian what class they belong to, they will tell you middle class. And uh, that suggests that if we all belong to the middle class, then none of us does. Um, because working class is a bad word, especially in a society where mobility is at your, your fingertips through education. 
if you're not mobile, if you're working class, which is synonymous with lower class, you are a failure. So that you have all kinds of people who are one paycheck away from poverty calling themselves middle class. It is a pretty vacuous kind of term. The, the other thing is that um, our politicians really do have this bias that if you work with your hands, you're not as good as if you work with your head. Hmm. So they have this idea that you go to university and you do all of those things. And what has happened, I had a meeting this week in my department and my dean told us 64% of the courses in my department are taught by part-timers. So that these are people who don't have their PhDs, who don't have their publication records and so on. They're great people, wonderful people. No problem with them. But the university makes a part-time commitment to them. They teach two courses here, two over there, one the other place. They're itinerant intellectual workers. When the university makes a part-time commitment to them, it is to be expected that they will make a part-time commitment to their students. And I still think that in order to be an effective teacher, you must be a current researcher. And many of these people are pushed and pulled in so many directions, they do not have the wherewithal to really research and publish their, their material. So that what is, what is happening, as we said last week, is that the university has become increasingly uh, a business place where the bottom line is what matters. We don't educate people anymore. We are processing them. So that they all come into the university, and we tend to think that we are a better society because we have more at the university. And, you know, the, the truth is many of them don't want to be there. Mm. You, you talk about the class side of this, that working class is seen as lower. At the risk of walking into something a little bit dicey here, do you see, as a university professor, do you also see culturally some cultures where the parents absolutely expect their child, whether they are university intelligence or not, that is just what's expected, and you will go to university because that's what we do? Absolutely, and you see, you, you hit the, the nail right on the head. The idea that is widely spread in the, in the society and culture is that everybody should have the BA, everybody should go to university, even if when you go there you feel out of place. You, you, in one sense, you know, many of the people who come from the working classes can't afford the, the three C's, the cars, the clubs, and the clothes. And they're the ones, whenever they would get a, a grade back that does not tell them they're the best thing in the world, it's like a slap in the face. They don't want to be there, but their parents and their teachers and their preachers and others always tell them, if you don't go to university, then you must be a failure. And today, even in, in our recruitment of immigrants to this country, we're trying to give more points for people who have BAs and MAs and PhDs and so on. When we don't need those people in Canada, we need more truck drivers and skilled workers, but you don't get any extra credit in immigration um, interviews if you have those other mm. really salt-of-the-earth kind of things that, that really characterize the bulk of the great Canadians who make up this country. So whenever we hear then the politicians stand up and say, I want to make it more affordable to go to university, I want to make it so that tuitions come down, I want free tuition was one of the latest things we heard, even though we know it's not really free. Yeah. Should governments then be, rather than saying that, saying we're going to spend the same amount of money, we're not going to cheap out on you, but we recognize that not everybody is cut out for university, so we're going to spend the same amount of money, but we're going to spread it between university, college, and maybe some training programs or apprenticeships or things like that to make sure that even if you're not cut out for school, you can still get ahead. You can still get a good job. A plumber can make a very nice living. An electrician can make a very nice living. You just don't necessarily have to go to school. And we'll help you, 
we just don't want to jam everyone down the same funnel. Exactly. I mean, like you, you really know this stuff inside out, Scott. I have been a university professor for 40 years, 4-0. And what has been happening is that the quality of the student has been steadily declining. And it's not the student's fault per se. It's a wider cultural phenomenon. The, the culture of consumerism, of materialism, of, of uh, elitism, of capitalism, and so on, that tells me I've got to buy stuff. And increasingly, the students are not able to deal with the level of abstraction that university education requires. They think in the here and now, and this is in part the, the social media that have enveloped them. And uh, what we are dealing with today is really a cohort of young people who are so cut adrift, who are so lost, that they are angry, and they manifest their anger in different ways, um, you know, dropping out of school, teen pregnancies, and um, what you call drugs, and all other kinds of things. Many of them we have, as is well known at the universities today, Essay Services Incorporated, where you can buy your essays, or you can hire somebody to write them for you. People come and they cheat. They have ghost writers at exams. There are all different ways that are being used not because people are intrinsically bad, but because they're desperate. And for that reason, we are, we are perverting the original idea of the university, which was to create more rounded, well-formed citizens, not to train employees for the big corporations. That training comes on the job. If you are going to be a doctor, you will be interned. That's the training. If you're going to be an engineer, you will be apprenticed. That's the training. If you're going to be a lawyer, you will be articled. That's the training. And the companies have told us for many, many years, please educate them and leave the training to us. And we are not educating them. We have become a pseudo-vocational institution. Dr. Anton Alhar, sociology professor at Western University. I would encourage, again, if you are a student, if you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, listen to last Thursday. It's up at the Scott Radley Show page at 900chml.com. Listen to this again. Uh, it doesn't mean don't go to university. Just think about it. Think about whether you are one of those people who maybe has a different vocation or different direction in life. Not everybody has to go. Doctor, I really appreciate the time today and last Thursday. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and all the best to your listening audience.